podcast is live. My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we'll bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am Joe. As always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's Dubbing Art 190. The Dubbing Art are live for NXT TakeOver War Games. And Dan, are you excited about tonight's event? I am very excited. As always, the NXT pay-per-view events always live up to the expectations and hype. So, tonight shouldn't be any different. Yeah, so let's start before we do anything else with the live show alternate intro. It seems today that all you see... Is violence and movies and sex. But where are those good old-fashioned values? Of which we used to rely. Lucky there's a family guy. Lucky there's a man who positively can do all the things that make us laugh and cry. He's a family guy. And that, is, of course, his American dad. No, I'm being silly here. But it is, we are live again, and there is so much in store today. We've got NXT update. We've got shout-outs. Games. An in-depth analysis of the TakeOver event. A look at last year's cards. All the latest from Triple H about NXT UK and more. And now we start with NXT news. News. And one of NXT's biggest power couples has tied the knot. NXT Tag Team Champion Roderick Strong and Marina Shafir celebrated their wedding Wednesday. Shafir, who joined the WWE Performance Center in May, shared a photo of wedding bands on Instagram. Could Strong and Shafir's wedded bliss eventually spell trouble for other superstars, considering it essentially makes Undisputed Era and the four horsewomen of MMA part of the same extended family? Well, that is the question. That, I mean, you love the MMA four horsewomen, Dan, don't you? And you love Undisputed Era. So that is probably the worst <laughs> extended faction ever. Well, Dan, I think it's great for NXT. But I know who did it. When Nikki Cross made a SmackDown Live debut a couple of weeks ago, and they were still debating whether or not she was the official debut, it was still very exciting to see. But now fans can wonder how she can be treated on WWE's main roster. Well, Brian Alvarez noted on Wrestling Observer Live that WWE's track record has set a dangerous precedent which might keep Nikki Cross from climbing up the ranks even before she has a chance to go. Well, everybody was so mad about Nikki Cross going up to the SmackDown show and getting beat by Becky Lynch. I mean, get ready for it. Everybody knows deep down, no matter what they think, everyone knows what Vincent Mann and Kevin Dunn are looking for in a WWE Women's Superstar. And we know what they're going to do with Nikki Cross. We know this, it's going wrong, but it's what's going to happen. 
I want to make it clear that I'm not saying anything bad about Nikki Cross. I think Nikki is a great wrestler. She's pretty. She plays her character great. She's my grandma's favorite wrestler, in fact. But she's not a blonde fitness model with implants. Have you looked through WWE history? Have you looked at who gets the title and the biggest pushes? Well, there's noted that WWE's history of who they pushed also applies to men and gives Finn Balor as an example. But while Vince and Kevin Dunn have one opinion, Triple H doesn't care too much about the look. He wants to know people can wrestle. But for now, Nikki Cross might have been a tough spot soon enough. Well, I hope she does well on the main card. Yeah, I think I she's do, a yeah. brilliant talent, a brilliant character. I don't know if they're going to put her in with Sanity or not because obviously they're going to be on the same, well, potentially they're going to be on the same brand. But hopefully we get good things from Nikki Cross. Yeah, I mean, I love Nikki Cross and it's great. Uh, that she well, she was on NXT and like we say on the main roster they usually goes the wrong way but we'll see what happens you know and Triple H spoke to the media ahead of NXT TakeOver War Games tonight the game addressed a number of topics including the future of NXT well during the press call Triple H also addressed how some underutilised main roster stars could head back down to NXT I think you could be at a place where you see main level talent at NXT I think we're also at the point where you see some talent on Raw and SmackDown that has had success or not a success for whatever reason aren't being utilised. They could go back into NXT. I think you could see a lot of these talent become mainstays in the brand they're in, NXT included. Well, last year's TakeOver War Games match was marred by controversy. Instead of sticking to traditional WWE set for the match, WWE put their own spin on things by incorporating shark cages on the ramp while housing the superstars in the ring inside a cage with no roof. The lack of a roof on the cage was lambasted by many, while others liked the new spin put on a classic match type. Well, speaking in the same media conference call, Triple H all but confirmed the cage will once again be roofless inside Los Angeles Staples Center. The game mentioned that while this year's match is closer to the traditions of war games in terms of the number of teams involved, he was happy with how last year's changes impacted goings-on. He said last year, given the position it was in, it was three different groups. This had a different feel to it. There's more towards the traditional side with two format i was thrilled with last year i thought we took an amazing concept and modernized it slightly for today there was some debate about the roof on the cage well it's limiting for talent i think the last year proved that it could be very exciting format that can showcase talent and all of the abilities i'm really excited for it i'm more excited about the things we did right last year that showcased talent in a very in a, in a way sorry that was extremely positive i think everybody for the most part walked away from that night with a positive experience of war games and I think they will again this year. I'm looking forward to making this into a franchise and a brand for NXT and WWE going forward. Well, his joy means nothing is changing, surely. Well, don't call me Shirley, but while that may be good news for WWE and some of the talent who benefited from it, for the indie groups that are not permitted to work alongside WWE, it means yet more talent will be unavailable to them. Well, elsewhere on the call, Triple H also discussed the possibility of expanding the numbers of takeovers and their length, saying that he does not believe in giving more just for the sake of it and that he thinks they're in a sweet spot at the moment. And he says similar about NXT UK, saying that when they get to the point where there's a demand for live events, they will run them, rather than just doing it for the sake of it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it, you know? And uh, he, he also said a couple of things from it, uh, saying that they're talking about an international push with NXT. And he, uh, Hunt had noted the following. He said, they are making progress on it every day. The German tryout went well with many strong prospects attending the camp. He wants to establish a worldwide pipeline 
pipeline so that talent does not have to work indies, which he describes as good for talent and good for WWE. There are big announcements planned for early 2019 regarding the brand's international expansion. So, I mean, that's interesting what Triple H is saying, and I think we will have kind of like a German camp coming up soon. Probably not a right term for that. I do apologise. I do apologise. But you know what I mean, a performance centre. Uh, so we'll probably get emails about that. Let's talk about emails because, of course, we get shout-outs from everybody, whether that be on the WNR podcast at gmail.com, whether it be on our Twitter pages, Facebook, or indeed anywhere else. And we've had a few, so we'll start off. And uh, Dan, you can start us off if you want with well, our first shout. Yeah, we've had Billy Amado saying NXT should be a two-hour show because of all the talent and takeovers need to be longer. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts first off is I think they're in a perfect place where they are at the moment. I mean, they have two, maybe three great matches, a few talking segments, and I think that's perfect because they don't use the same talent each week, you know, week in, week out. And if they're longer, they're just going to get given more time for certain talent that doesn't deserve it and talent's still going to be pushed to the backside. I mean, you look at Raw and SmackDown now. I mean, Raw's three hours long, SmackDown's two hours long and they still get the same talent pushed week in, week out. Yeah. No, that is true, you know, and and the problem is, is like Triple H said, it's such a sweet spot at the moment to to try and change it or move it. You you could affect it, you know. Uh, There is a lot of talent on NXT at the moment not getting their chances, but there's other ways like you said, to manoeuvre. I just think WWE at the moment have got it in just too many wrestlers, you know what I mean? There's just too many of them right now. We haven't had like a kind of, not saying it's a a good, a bad thing, when they release like, you know, 13, 14 wrestlers over a period of time, they used to do that every couple of years. They've not done that in a while and I can think of at least one wrestler who needs to be released straight away. Now, now, now. I didn't name him, so that's good, isn't it? Uh, Duke B. McGrath said, Lacey Evans will definitely be a champion by 2019. She has the potential and attitude we need. Plus, Bianca Belair will be huge. Now, we're going to talk about the women's division kind of in the, the NXT update that we're doing a little bit. Bianca Belair's in action. But what are your thoughts on uh, Lacey Evans and what you've seen of her, Dan? I think she's got a good talent. She's uh, definitely a strong in-ring work, in worker. I don't see why not. But again, you know, if they're doing good in NXT, they don't necessarily need to be you know, promised a good spot on the main card as past as shown. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the thing, and, and she's got a good gimmick at the moment. You know, we know the woman's right. It's a very dangerous move. Uh, and, and with Bianca Belair, I think still he needs a bit more. Uh, you just need to give him time with some of these. You know, let's not forget NXT is still a development league. So to say this person's going to be an outright champion, outright it's not. It's some, some kind, sometimes difficult to say. I mean, I remember saying Baron Corbin will be a future W champion, and now you look at it and you probably think to yourself, he, he's probably not going to get near it again. So it, it's a transition. Someone like Oscar, who was undefeatable, you know, and he could never fuck up. And then, like you say, you take her to the W roster uh, and Raw and SmackDown, and, and it happens. So we'll see what happens in NXT, but it's a bright future ahead, you know. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, these two women are definitely ones to look out for in the future. Um, another one, Tessa Beeman. She said, Evolution was so good, why can't there be a woman-only pay-per-view every month? Well, I, I think if at the moment, because it, it was a special event, if it was every month, would it then not be special? Would it be the norm? And is that what we're looking for? Are we looking for a fact that women's wrestling should have their own shows and do their own things? Or should it be accepted with 
the normal shows and it should be balanced out so in the pay-per-view where there's eight matches there should be four women's and four men's I don't know what you think about that but I think you know that definitely has good potential you know having more women's matches on the events I don't think one every month and that's not being sexist and I think you know Evolution certainly kicked the male equivalent which was Crown Jewel oh god don't bring up fucking Crown Jewel again yeah sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> to make you angry but you know, it definitely was a hundred times better, but I don't think there's enough storylines going through, you know, to warrant a pay-per-view every month. Maybe, you know, every three months or in line with the NXT TakeOver event. Well, yes. The, I mean, that would be interesting that they can do, but as we saw Raw SmackDown, and we're going to have the full Raw and SmackDown review tomorrow night on our live shows. We're back again at 10. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, Becky Lynch and something like that. Would that be a difference for the women's uh, revolution now going forward is that we kind of look at a, a star in her own right you know this, this is the things that we're looking at here uh, with, with the women they, of course they've moved on leaps and bounds since to kind of where they were 20 years ago and it's, it's where we're looking at where they are in the next 20 years whether that's having separate shows or being together I mean that's the question that it needs to be answered you know I mean if W had their own women's division, as in tag team champions and an intercontinental title for, for women, would that work and to be separate from the men's? You know, wrestling shows, you want a little bit of variety variety in it, if you know what I mean, you know, like... And that's not just for what I'm talking about going to see a men's event, all men's event, you know, yeah. any, you want to see a tag team match, you want to see kind of a little bit different here and there, you know. Um, uh, But speaking of that, one thing I've noticed, because, you know, I, I, we get a lot of shout-outs and stuff like this, the... Male audience, we kind of, you know, the past, how long will we be going now? You know, four years or whatever it is. I say four years, I know we started May 4th, 2015, but hey, let's pretend I don't know the exact date. Um, the male audience has been quite well, but I don't know if it's because of the Women's Evolution pay-per-view or what it is in recent months. We've had a lot more women getting in contact with us and, you know, asking a lot of questions. And uh, we've always kind of supported women's wrestling in that way but not in a kind of creepy way because that we just look at it as a kind of same so we appreciate anybody that sends us messages in anyway but another one's blanche ford and said the nxt north american united kingdom and nxt tag team should be all on the line in war games that is good but who would get them i know like you know it's obvious that the the war raiders would get the tag team championships or is it because, you know, say Ricochet or Pete Dunne got the pin, would it then be then down to them yeah, if they got yeah. the tag team championship? So I think there'd be a bit of a dispute. And maybe, you know, if the winning team get all four belts and then they have to fight it out amongst themselves. But then, you know, I don't know if the Undisputed Era would fight between themselves for the titles kind of thing, you know. Well, yeah, well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, you maybe see the titles change hand that way. But it's just a kind of team effort right now to keep them separate. It's a shame they're not being defended. But like I said, there's so much going on in NXT at the moment. Even though it's only a four-match show, those matches need that time to kind of, you know, tell the story as it was. And would it be a bit too confusing? You know, we've seen when single title, single championships on a line in tag team and multi-man matches. Uh, and it doesn't have the same kind of effect that it take away from it. So I think it's a good idea in principle, but... It's the, it's the execution that counts more than anything else, isn't it? Most you know? definitely. Uh, you know, I think the match is going to be great. Last year's War Games match was great. And, you know, I think this one's going to be just as good. And I think it's better because it's a personal feud. And personal feuds normally work a lot better than 
title feuds. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And that's what we've seen here tonight. Takeover, like I said, we're going to give you a full in-depth analysis. But every match here is personal tonight. It is indeed, Jess. And Patty Tompkins goes on to say, It's so cool that Roderick Strong was with the Authors of Pain fighting Undisputed Era last year in War Games. And now he's with Undisputed Era in this year's war games. Yeah, I mean that's that's a cool little fact, you know, like Roger Strong, and and they're still not settling a feud with Pete Dunne, really, because he turned on Pete Dunne, didn't he, when he they cost him the uh, the match for the NXT Tag Team Title. So you know, it's still a lot of history, and that's a year ago, and it's kind of what NXT want to make you remember as well, you know, what you brought up, but there's little points here, little storylines that go back all this time, and it still matters. Every little thing that happened matters, and Roderick Strong, you know, we we thought, what could he do? And he's really settled in it, Undisputed Era, hasn't he, you know? He has, yeah, so, you know, I don't know if he was just meant to be a stand-in for Bobby Fish, or whether, you know, they've made it kind of a four-man band thing, because... You know, recently in WWE, they've been making three-man bands. I, mean, I, don't <laughs> to, I know James's man was in one of the original three-man bands. You be careful. I wasn't going to say Jinder Mahal. Hooray. But, you know, they've kind of gone on they've New Day, and then, you know, you had the Undeserving Era. And, yeah, you know, it is... I think it has been a great thing for Roderick Strong. I mean, you know, he was just treading water beforehand, and now he's kind of found his place made his name his current tag team champion of course yeah well exactly you know and it's good um that he's you know kind of settled in there when we wondered what might be uh cree cry cry p said nxt is the a show i can't argue with that no i can't argue with that even even with all the changes you look at you know we talk about ecw back in the day or you know wcw stuff like this with the amount of changes, the talent going up and thinking, well, they're never going to get past not having Finn Balor and Oscar Lee. They're not going to get past not having Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre as champions. Oh, they're not gonna... And yet, still, year after year, they kind of have these feuds and matches and, and wrestlers. People like Velveteen Dream, you know, uh, like last year, what he was doing and now being involved in the kind of NXT Championship match. Uh, it's just, just there's so much going on. And I don't know if it's a show because there is still loads of people that haven't, Unmasked NXT yet, have they? Do you know what I mean? Like, this is the interesting. I know Mark Tardis, uh, at Mark Tardis on Twitter, one of our, well, I say a number one fan of our podcast. Yep. Uh, you were talking to him about him never uh, watching an episode of NXT. No, you know, and he was saying about time, not having time to watch it, but, you know, I think it's it's a perfect time for people that doesn't have time for wrestling because it is once a week on a Wednesday, as you all may know, uh, for an hour, and then takeover events what you get five six of them a year yeah not too much dedication and also it doesn't fall on a sunday night where a lot of us we have work the next day so you know if it's on a saturday we've normally got the weekends off so we can lay in on sunday after watching what is probably every nxt event i believe has kicked the following night's pay-per-views yeah. off there, there was not one i mean we're gonna We'll, we'll talk about how why NXT takeover events are so good a bit later on. But like you said, it's the thing, and uh, I can't remember what point in the NXT show being an hour. You, you know, you, it's, it's it's so easy to watch. It, it's worthwhile watching three episodes of NXT than it is watching one episode of Monday Night Raw for me. And that's why I've not been watching Raw SmackDown a little bit recently, just because I've been catching up on stuff uh, on the network. 
But as the A show, I think Raw is always going to be the A show. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year when SmackDown moves to Fox and if actually Raw is going to be moved off its perch. And we don't know, in a couple of years' time, NXT might be the third show like ECW was back in the day as well. We just we just don't know with that, you know? That would be very interesting to go forward, but you know, I suppose we'll cross that bridge once it comes to it. Well, next one is uh, Barin Tambi 1. And uh, please, WWE, whatever it is, please do not disband the Undisputed Era stable. <laughs> Whichever brand they may go to in the future, they are the best stable ever. Faults. They're like a modern-day NWO black and white. What, that good? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't watch a match without one of them getting involved. I know that is kind of the staple for these kind of stables to uh, to get involved in matches. But, you know, it. and don't get me wrong, you know, I'm a big fan of Kyle O'Reilly. I think he's great. He's a standout character, definitely for the undeserving era. You know, I, I wouldn't say they're the best stable ever. Thoughts, James? Well, I like how you said that because I think they have been entertaining recently. You know, uh, I don't think you can say that uh, they haven't been good for NXT. I think they're all impressive athletes, Adam Cole included. But it depends. It's not just success in ring. It's It's what they do. Later on, their careers are still very young, some of them. So I, I can't say they're the best stable ever. But I can see how people like them and how people think they might be cool. Uh, but the thing is, there are other groups that were doing that a lot earlier. But they do work together well as a team. And not many teams can come around and have that kind of specialness that they do. And I think the other people here do. I think because part and part you want to see them getting beaten up most weeks and they are annoying and they have, you know, they are heels most definitely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the other people here, I'm a little bit, like, I, I don't hate them obviously as much as you do, Dan, but I don't love them either. I'm kind of like give or take, to be fair. Uh, Daryl Moore goes one step further with this, Dan. It says, why can't you even see... Why can't you see that Adam Cole will be a future WWE champion, Dan? <coughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, sit down because uh, I'm going to go on a little rant here. I can't see that Adam Cole will be a future champion because I don't believe he's got what it takes in the ring. You know, all he is is he comes out and he's got a stupid Adam Cole baby thing. It's almost as bad as Bobby Roode coming out of his glorious. He is just a gimmick. He's just an entrance. Whoa, He's whoa, just... whoa. Why the fuck are you attacking Bobby Roode for? Because... Talk about Adam and Cole, mate. Why don't you well, have a go anyway, at Daryl Moore? Don't have a fucking go at Bobby Roode. That was uncalled well, for how here. how do we know that Daryl Moore doesn't like Bobby Roode? Well, how the fuck he's telling well, you about Adam anyway. Cole? You're taking Adam... Instead of taking out Adam Cole, you're going to go someone else. No, I'm just comparing him... Oh, what do you think of Randy Orton? Yeah, I think Mysterio's a dickhead. Uh, that's basically what you're doing. No, you're just... I'm just saying that he is just basically... I'm not having an argument with you. This person is telling you Adam Cole's going to be future. I'm saying champion. Adam Cole is basically an entrance. He has done nothing... What do you mean basically an entrance, Adam Cole? How can he be an entrance? He's, he's Adam Cole, baby. That's all he's got. He's got nothing else. He doesn't impress me in ring. He's not done anything of note that impresses me. Every match he's won, he's won it by hook or by crook or by cheating. Which, you know, I believe that someone that could be a future WWE champ, whether they're heel or face, they can do it on their own terms. And they can do it without having to rely on their stable mates, 
they can do it without having to rely on cheating. And I know, like, you know, with the likes of Eddie Guerrero, his motto was lie cheating still. But even he won matches without having to cheat. I mean, you know, he, he was the last man to legitimately beat Brock Lesnar clean. Well, I, I suppose I can see what you're saying there. Uh, I should apologise, but you did attack Bobby Roode with that. Um, what I shall say, if you people enjoy listening to that just then, me and Dan will be, for the first time ever, mass debating live on the podcast after NXT update because we've still got all the games to go as well uh, but we appreciate your shout outs like so thank you for that even if your opinions are wrong you can still email us or message us in and we'll tell you why you're wrong uh, that's kind of what we do here in the WNR podcast appreciate it Dan don't we we do appreciate your shout outs even though you know you are wrong yeah. but then you know it's I suppose Daryl Moore's not even Back in Adam Cole, he's saying, why can't you see that Adam Cole will be a future champ? Well, I don't know. He did use will be a future yeah, champ. Yeah, exactly. He wants him. He which, thinks he definitely will be. Know. Yeah, But you're wrong. <laughs> and you couldn't be more wrong. All right. So let's try and move on from that and cheer you up a little bit. And it's a crown jewel, not that one, of the WNR podcast. It is time now for NXT Update. And Dan, when does NXT Update start? Now. So we start with episode 477, and it's November 14th. Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcome us to Full Sail for the Go Home Show. And our first match is Bianca Belair with the long hair versus Mia Yim. This should be a very interesting matchup because we saw Mia Yim, of course, compete in the Mae Young Classic. And she impressed us along the way, Dan, didn't she? She is, yeah. She, uh, she's dubbed herself the Blasian Baddie. And, yeah, you know, she's she's done well. She had a few good matches. I wonder how she's going to stand against the undefeated Bianca Belair with long hair. Well, this is the thing. Bianca Belair, the, the EST of NXT, is undefeated. And it's kind of two different types of women going against each other. The kind of outsider, if you will, of the May Young Classic. We want to see more of them involved in NXT. Along with Bianca Belair, who is just from NXT and the developmental. So these are the two women clashing right now and I think they were looking maybe at the future of the NXT women's title as well you know we look at it now with Baszler and Kari Sane going to have the women's title match both of them involved with May Young Classic we can see a lot of those competitors make a jump to NXT and, and really kind of heat up the division aren't we you know most definitely, yeah. And then, you know, even if they do get a long undefeated, it won't last long once they go to the main <laughs> roster. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens uh, when it comes to Bianca Belair and her undefeated record. If she can be half as um, successful as Oscar was, then she would have gone a very long way, you know, in NXT anyway. Belair had the early advantage in this match. It looks like Yim's slowly making a comeback now. She's indeed a few drop kicks uh, and a running one to take Bianca Belair down. And a bit of momentum with fountains are behind her. Seated drop kick, sending the EST into the corner. But she's showing a kind of veteran-like ability there, even though she's still very new 
in her career, getting near the ropes and throwing Mia Yim to the outside, getting some distance. And of course, Jess Carr officiating this match. Well, she was involved in the May Young Classic to begin with, and now a firm fixture in NXT. It'll be good to see her at TakeOver here tonight. As Belair now is in the ascendancy, got the submission on Mia Yim. What is the EST? Is it an acronym for something? or it's is Established, it isn't it? The establishment of NXT. And at the moment, she's having a yim with the submission hold, showing that she is powerful. We've had a lot of stories that management kind of like her as well, so we'll see if 2019 will be a year. Yim's back to her feet now. Rolls her up. Only getting a two count, though. Two. Oh, one count, sorry. One. Another roll up and another one count. One. And Belair has had enough now. She just shun. Gets a two count of her own. Two. I think Bianca Belair has definitely got the power advantage in this match. She's deceptively strong. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm yet to see anything stand-out-ish of the EST of NXT. I hope that you get a chance to perform. I mean, this is a great match-up here to start us off on the go-home show of NXT before TakeOver. But unlike others, I'm not writing her out. Unlike I do with other wrestlers, I'm <laughs> giving her a chance. <laughs> or I just instantly hate, but... But uh, I don't know, it's, there's something about her that I like, but she's yet to be overly impressive. But I feel she's got that kind of bit of star quality about her that makes her stand out for maybe the other women's wrestlers as well in the division. And she's still in control of Mia Yim. Now taunting her, she got on a submission. Oh, and just jumps on the back of her. Now she's just sitting on Yim's back and just annoying her. Well, you've got to think that in Bianca Belair's mind, Mia Yim's come walking into NXT thinking that she could just walk in, get a woman's total opportunity, step over her. And she's not. She's going to say that she's in control and it's her place. Well, she's just found her place and that was uh, on the mat as Mia Yim just swept her legs out from underneath her, went for a quick cover. But again, Belair responded in kind, a drop kick, roll up, one, two, but only a two count. Two. And Mia Yim, every time she has to get a shoulder up, expends a hell of a lot of energy. And Bianca Belair's just on top at the moment. Got the cravat in now and just twisting the head of Mia Yim. Bianca's showing a lot of aggression here. Trying to make a statement here tonight. Mia Yim trying to fight out of that cravat from Belair. And Belair showing the strength again, pushing Mia Yim down. Looking for a cent on, but Yim rolling out the way. Bianca Belair runs into the corner. Yim. To a big back elbow. Oh, dropped toehold into the second turnbuckle. First time Yim's had a bit of advantage in this match for a while. Trying to build some momentum now. But they're still trying to fight back though, but a clothesline takes her down. A nice kick by me. Yim, we don't really see a lot of that in this match. Another drop kick sends her down. Gut wrench suplex. Goes for the cover. One, two. Ooh. Only a two count. Two. You see how long Bianca Belair's hair is actually when on impact. Just cars, how did he got caught up in it? That'd be a great way to stop a pinfall, actually. But <laughs> just throw a hair in there. Couldn't get your hand on the mat. Uses it as like a whip. <laughs> oh, and a double A spine bust. A lot better than Bobby Roode's one. Well, Goes for a cover, oh. but Mia Yim managing to kick out. Ah, well, in fact, it's not because Bobby Roode's a former NXT champion. So until Bianca Belair can actually get on top of her division, then we might have uh, we might talk about that. But I say the crowd are very into this match, charting both EST and for Mia Yim, as Blair again using her power, just taking all the air out of Mia Yim in the corner, Irish ripping her across. 
Oh, but Yim sidestepping as Belair comes running in, but Belair stops herself but runs into a flurry for Mia. Oh, my word. Who finishes up with a Pele kick. Belair might be out here. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh. But Belair managing to kick out. Ah. So if Belair's hair got wrapped round the bottom rope as she got pinned, would that mean she's <laughs> oh, in the yeah, ropes? No, yeah, she would be in the ropes then, yeah. They've got to do this. Yim comes running in. Oh, cannonball. Not quite as much weight behind it as Kevin Owens, but still effective enough. She's looking for soul food, but oh no! She hits the KOD. I know. And that is a victory for the NXT EST <laughs> after the KOD. Yeah, you're right about that. OMG. Yeah, it does win here. Very competitive match. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was a, it was a good match between the two. Both these women certainly have talent. I'd like to see them be able to showcase it a lot more, though. Well, Kathy Kelly tries to find out which member of the Babyface Wargames team will face Carl O'Reilly later tonight. That leads to a squabble between Picochet. Finally, Roe cuts him off with, Enough! And Hanson said, He's doing it. The two champs shrug. Who's going to argue with a war raider? Well, video package for the Johnny Gagano Ali B feud recaps the story, gets you excited for their match on Saturday. And makes it real clear in retrospect that Gagane was guilty of Black's assault all along. Yeah, so then Kathy Kelly interviews Matt Riddle. His experience thus far has been his day but, and that is actually how he says it, because he is a tool. <laughs> Everything is great. KO barges in, Cassis Ono. And he says he's confronting Riddle last week was a test, and Matt hasn't answered it by agreeing to a match. He's beginning to think the bro show is bogus. Riddle accepts the match and says he'll have Cassius saying, oh no, when he knocks him out when they face next week. Kathy apologises for the interruption and Riddle says he's yet. He's glad they talk though because now they can fight. Well, Lacey Evans defeated Carissa Riviera via pinfall after a woman's right. It was all Evans except for a few seconds when Rivera hit a drop kick while Lacey was dabbing the sweat from her forehead with a handkerchief. Well, Evans gets a mic and runs for a usual spill about being the only real lady in NXT and how she's going to teach the rest of the division some manners with the women's right. Velveteen Dream and Tommaso Ciampa's NXT title match gets the video treatment. Dream thinks LA is the perfect place for the lightning bolt that's hit NXT this past year to fully grab the spotlight. The champ says Velveteen's never had an experience like him and says if he tries to step into his spotlight, it'll burn Dream up. Well, the recap for the women's title match is pretty much just a recap of Evolution as Kari saying in the interview. She says Shania Baszler took her treasure, but at war game, she'll get it back. She also seems to indicate Baszler won't have her friends this time. She says there's no way Shania can beat her twice. And up next in the main event, it's Kyle O'Reilly versus Hanson. And this is a very important singles match, not only because of, you know, we're going into war games, but the winner of this will get an advantage. They will be the first person out of the war game. So we know how the traditional war games match works. We will explain that for everybody that doesn't know, because last year was a little bit different because it was three teams. This year it's two teams, of course two people start, and then it will, uh, another person comes out. So that means the winner of this will have that advantage. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's usually the hills. <laughs> so Yes, and uh, but... The thing that gives the Hills the disadvantage in this match is that the other members of both teams are barred from ringside for this. But it won't stop Adam Cole <laughs> and his fucking crone is running down and disrupting the match and not getting punished for it. Well, this exactly that. So 
at this moment in time, we're going to see Hansen, who's been very, very impressive in the recent weeks, going against uh, Kyle O'Reilly here. Maybe not your first choice for the Undisputed Era, but he is, of course, one half of the NXT Tag Team Champions. And I think Hansen there sending a clear message that when it comes to power, they're in his yard with that. He sends O'Reilly clear out. But he has gone against what I'd say is the most talented member of the Undeserving Era. You don't mind Kyle O'Reilly, do you? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's his handsomeness that kind of makes him approachable. I know. It's like kind of down to earth. And he is a great wrestler, don't get me wrong, as well. I might be lacking a, a slight bit of maybe personality as such, but he is great. He grabs a leg now of Hanson. But I think his comical side and his actions certainly make up for his lack of personality. I mean, you know... We've even on the thumbnail to this episode, it's Kyle O'Reilly coming out air kicking <laughs> yeah. whilst playing the NXT Tag Team Championship. I mean, you know, it's not only that, it's his reaction. I think, uh, I can't remember who he was going against, but he got hit and just the way he fell back and I think it was all for the pain. Yeah, I think it might have been, yeah. And, you know, it's just his selling of things like that. I think it's, you know, it certainly goes into his personality. Well, he just mentioned all for the pain and Kyle O'Reilly's definitely feeling the pain at the moment as Hanson basically running through him. O'Reilly tried to snap Mayor Tate down and that wasn't successful. Hanson just throwing him around. The Irish whip then sending Kyle O'Reilly up and then the clothesline and now the clubbing blows by Hanson. O'Reilly in all sorts of trouble on the apron. And just as we were talking about his selling, I mean, he takes a few steps, does a Ric Flair bump and then falls flat on his face and then down to the wafer thin mats below, which, you know, just sums it up, really. O'Reilly in all sorts of trouble Hanson Come getting him on the outside. Throws him back in. But O'Reilly there showing his intelligence. And drop kicking Hansen as he gets back in. And now that dragon leg whip. That's going to cause all sorts of trouble to that knee. I think O'Reilly realises now. Well, how do you stop a big tree like Hansen? You cut it down. And that's what he's doing at this moment in time. Kicking him, dodging the strikes from Hansen. He's definitely got a speed advantage over the much bigger War Raiders member. And now O'Reilly trying to get him round maybe for that half Boston crab. Hanson fighting it off. Nice Palm strikes to the head. Lovely palm strikes. He's the way Kyle O'Reilly does wrestle. And now he's got the leg of Hanson putting on that bottom rope. Goes for a cover. But Hanson just throws him straight <laughs> through the bottom and second ring rope out to the outside. But he can barely stand up. But that still doesn't stop him slamming O'Reilly. Looking for that big splash. O'Reilly luckily enough getting out of the way. Oh, my God. And O'Reilly goes for the kick, but gets caught by Hanson. Slapping away at the face, but that's not going to make a difference. Backdrop attempt from Hanson, but O'Reilly lands on his feet and goes down low for the chop block. And again, intelligent by O'Reilly. Goes for the cover, but only gets a one. One. Will Hanson try to get this one done early so he's not carrying an injury into war games? Well, this is the thing. I mean, when it comes to war games, it is the first man to give up and you wonder if working on the knees a plan for Saturday again another dragging leg screw and that's the last thing they would want and you know especially someone as Hanson who relies on power won't be able to use a leg and that would be a definite target O'Reilly with the knees of the corner but just shows you how big Hanson is just one blow takes O'Reilly down but O'Reilly there he's got that knee lock in O'Reilly's got this tight near the middle of the ring now Hanson's struggling O'Reilly can sit there all day he's in great condition with Hanson, you would question that now. And Hanson now powering O'Reilly's leg out. Got hold of the ankle. Oh, <laughs> and a big kick to the face. 
luckily enough, it's not going to do anything to disrupt his looks. <laughs> yeah, but... it, might, it might improve them. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't that be annoying? It improved his looks and he got hit in the face again and he was just back to normal Kyle O'Reilly. Well, no, Family Guy, I think. <laughs> yeah, I Simpsons. think it was, yeah. Handsome. Backdropping Kyle O'Reilly. Another thing is his name's quite enjoyable, saying his full name. Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> just Kyle O'Reilly there, gets taken down, back to his feet. A few strikes by Hanson. Oh, Shrip picks him up. And Hanson cycling himself up to get back into this match. Could barely walk on that left knee. Well, that was an impressive sidewalk slam. Picks up Kyle O'Reilly. Irish ripped him in the corner. And again, power slamming him down. Goes for it. Oh! And I think that was the closest near fall yet. Kyle O'Reilly did, though, manage to kick out. Uh-huh. I mean, not only is this a statement for Saturday, whoever gets the win, but down the road with the NXT tag team titles concerned, the War Raiders and the Undisputed Era... And this is just turning into a slugfest now. O'Reilly looking for that hill hook, but he just gets picked up dead weight by Hanson. Delivers a big boot and just knocks him straight out of the ring as well. Oh, and Hanson now is going to come follow him. A huge suicide dive there, taking out O'Reilly. Immediately throws him back in the ring. And Hanson can feel this. O'Reilly's in the wrong position right now. Oh! A big bronco buster. And Hansen's not finished yet. He's going up for his inverted 450. He's going up to the second rope now. But, oh, look, Adam Cole. Well, he's barred from ringside, but he distracted Hansen. Hansen taking this off the ball. Hansen going all the way up now. Moonsault. Oh, oh O'Reilly rolls out the way. Boot to the face by O'Reilly and oh! Hanson managing to kick out. Uh-huh. But straight into that armbar attempt from O'Reilly. And Hanson's got the arm. Transitions into the heel hook. And that is brilliant by Kyle O'Reilly there. Hanson had it blocked for a second. But he needs to be taken all members apart from ringside. Hanson Where calling. Where is Mr. Regal? <laughs> Where's William? Hanson crawling to that bottom right, breaking the submission. And booting Kyle O'Reilly away. But like I said, Adam Cole! And a kick to the face of Hanson! Official didn't see it, so it's fine. Oh, an axe kick. A big elbow. Oh! But that isn't enough to keep the big man down. Adam Cole gets the overtures. You need to do your job. Where is security? Someone stop him! Yes! Out comes Roe. Pow! Right in the kiss. A forearm shot. And he shouldn't be out here, Dan. There's all well, the he's just preventing Adam Cole from being out here. Well, maybe Who shouldn't, we, definitely shouldn't. I'm be out just here. saying that War Raiders should be out here. Kyle O'Reilly's getting frustrated by it. He's not getting involved in the match, though. He's not distracting Kyle O'Reilly. Well, Kyle O'Reilly just got hit with a knee, but now responds again with the kicks. Huge combination. Oh, a cartwheel duck though, <laughs> and then turns O'Reilly. Well, if this is a taste of what's to come at War Games later on tonight, then this is going to be a hell of a match. Rose not finished with Adam Cole yet. Yes. One more time. One more time. Well, that's not really fair. And, oh, there we go. Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish. Well, here they come attacking. Come on, Rick. Come on, Pete. Attacking Roe. Well, Rick Shane and Pete Dunn aren't allowed down here. The members are barred. From... That didn't stop Adam Cole, though, did it? Well, oh, here comes Pete Dunn. <laughs> Power one shot to each of Fish and Strong. Oh, and Adam Cole trying to hit Dunn. He caught his fingers. Oh. Chop block down low on Dunn, though. Stops his momentum. And Bobby Fish. 
Making sure. Well, at least Ricochet abides by the rules. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh wait a minute. Ricochet's in the ring. <laughs> Flying <laughs> over the referee. Takes down two members of the Undisputed Era and Rowe. Oh, Kyle Riley with a title belt to the back of Hansen's head. Referee One, didn't see two, it. Three. Oh, the Undisputed Era win. But what is the point in giving the rule that people are barred from ringside if no one gets fucking reprimanded from coming down to ringside? I mean, I'm sure Mr. Regal is watching this. He is a real man's man to be sticking by his rules and laws. Well, unbelievable stuff here. What a great match it was between Hanson and O'Reilly. Really good stuff. Like I said, that's a taste of things to come Sunday. Or is this a taste of things to come on Saturday with the Unsputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly winning and the troops celebrating now. Pete Dunn, Ricochet and War Raiders looking on. What will happen come War Games? Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? I thought the match-up itself was good. Um, you know, they're obviously protecting the War Raiders. I think it would have been easier for one of Undeserving Era to take their pinfall than for any of the face, heel, face teams to take it. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's What's the point in saying, yeah, no team members are allowed ringside if they don't enforce it? Well, that's true, but maybe they'll get their comeuppance in war game later on tonight. Yeah, and we are just as the clock works, well, quarter to 11 now. So we're an hour and 15 minutes away from the start of war games, but there's so much more to discuss, especially on this live episode of WNI. I'd just like to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. But Dan... For the first time ever, you and I are going to have a live mass debate. Yes, we are. And I look forward to mass debating with you, James. Yes, we are. We, I mean, you know, we always have arguments on this podcast. But now it's it's time. So our first mass debate. We're, we'll start now. We'll start softly on something we maybe agree on. And that is Pete Dunne. May 20th, 2017 is the day he won the NXT, the NXT UK Championship beating Tyler Bate in our match of the year take over Chicago. 546 days here tonight. Is he a future main eventer? Dan? I'm going to say yes, he is. And if you I'm going to walk out. <laughs> if you don't agree with me, sorry, I'm going to walk w- out. Why is he? I just think he's got the look. He's got the attitude. He's definitely got the in-ring ability. I couldn't really see him too much as a face. I think he works better as a heel. His move set is definitely that of a heel. Um, you know, I, I I could have kind of seen him aligning with Triple H's style authority. I think, you know, him coming out in a suit every so often with Triple H and then, you know, kind of getting in a ring. He's still very, very young and he's still just learning all the time, but... You know, I think he can teach a lot of the current main eventers a thing or two about wrestling. I I, I think he's a great wrestler. I really do. And, and Dunn hasn't had a bad match that we've watched. Uh, and like you said, he can teach a lot of people just how to wrestle. But will that translate to the main roster? And will that translate to becoming a WWE champion? I'm not sure. Him against Strowman, would that be uh, a match that could be realistic if we saw the two faced off against each other you know or what about other other wrestlers as well you know if someone like a Randy Orton or John Cena would Pete Dunne 
be out of his depth, you know, because, you know, how uh, well can he wrestle? You see what I'm doing with this? I, yeah? I see what you're doing, yeah. <laughs> you are playing devil's advocate. But, you know, it's... I think wrestlers, you know, people like Randy Orton, I think, you know, as much as everyone knows, I am a huge fan of Randy Orton's. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> I think Randy Orton is beatable, and he is more beatable than the likes of Braun Strowman and the likes of John Cena. But then again, you know, with John Cena, he, he done it against Kevin Owens when he first came onto the roster. You know, he took a loss. He took a pop-up powerbomb the first time they met. He lost at their first pay-per-view match. I think he won their next one yeah. at Money in the Bank. He's he's still a a beatable wrestler, especially as he gets on in his years. Obviously, unless he's being protected in a tag team match, I suppose, when he's teaming with Bobby Lashley. Yeah, but I, I think the thing with, with Pete Dunne is how good is he with the promos? You know, have, have we actually seen him deliver an excellent promo yet? And, and, and another thing with Pete Dunne as well would be kind of like, I've, I've completely forgotten it right now, but I'll just tell, I'll go back to that brief is what I'm saying. Is that his promo? You know, he's not that strong in a promo, is he? He isn't. You know, that that's something that could have a bit of work with. But again, you know, they could give him a mouthpiece. You know, imagine him being Paul Heyman's next guy when Brock Lesnar hopefully leaves soon. Well, that that would be quite cool. But I don't know if they would get behind him. I mean, Vincent Mann would look at him, kind of British guy. Usually plays the hill. Won't won't kind of be. The, the the champion might just be kind of mid-card. It might be the new winning Regal, you know? Um, there's nothing wrong, no offence to winning Regal, but if Pete Dunne was to get that, would that be uh, an underachieve... Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 didn't achieve what he should have done. Does Pete Dunne... If you look at his career, does he deserve to go further than any other UK British wrestler in history? To go further than the Bulldog, go further than Regal, to actually become a world champion? I think he could be the first English world champion. Yeah, that's a strong thing to say. You think he will... I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to disagree with you, but I am. I, I don't know if he will. You know, you know, he well, can't... maybe you look at it this way. You look at him if he goes on to SmackDown, you know, and he hasn't got to put up with the likes of Braun Strowman, um, you know, and, and the bigger guys, Brock Lesnar, and, you know, Daniel Bryan's champion at the moment. There's not a much size difference between him... Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, they've all been creditable champions. Yeah. So, you know, they're all the same size. They've all held their merit. And a lot of the wrestling fans nowadays are Marks. Right, okay, yeah. Not not Mark Tardis. Not not just (laughs) named Mark, but, you know, they are wrestling Marks. Right. And, you know, I think they're, they're the kind of people that have pushed other people into... You know, like the non-common fan into thinking the bloke has actually got the moves. He can actually go well in the ring. And you know, you could even start him off in a tag team and then, you know, ch- take it from there it, alongside someone who's got a bit of credibility, a bit of reputation, turn on him down the line and then, you know, pay the snarling hill and, you know, just go on from there onwards and upwards. Yeah, but, okay, uh, no, I agree with you there, <laughs> but... I'm going to say a name to you. Wade Barrett. When Wade Barrett debuted, let's not forget, he's in NXT, 
led to the NXT guys, of course, in Nexus. This guy was not the same size as Pete Dunne. You know, like I say, looked like a WWE Super 6 foot 4, uh, built well, good on the promos. It not, I'm saying Dunne is a much better wrestler than, than Way Back was, but Way Back was destined to, to be the first ever English WWE champion, first British WWE champion, and it never materialised. So, what makes, you know, I mean, what makes Dunne better than Barrett in that way? If you're wrestling talent, that's what's going to get him through. Well, again, you know, beforehand it was all about mic work. And, you know, I know it was kind of transitioning away from that when Wade Barrett was at his highest. You know, I've got some bad news and, you know, going on from there. But I think, you know, that was kind of the end point of the transition for you don't need to be strong on the mic. I know you've got the likes of currently Shinsuke Nakamura, Oscar. That's kind of the thing that's holding them back. But it's more and more transitioning into, you know, if you've got it in the ring, then let's go for that. And especially, you know, as you say, that SmackDown's going to be moving to Fox. There's rumours that they want to try and transition it more to a sports entertainment show other than an entertainment show, which, you know, it currently is, you know, not focusing so much on storylines, telling tales like that. And, you know, focusing it more on the wrestling side, trying to turn it into an offshoot of the UFC kind of things that they do. So, you know, it's not going to be so much as about talking. It's going to be more about what you can do in the ring and how well you can hold your own there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So, the question, would Pete Dunne be a future main eventer? Well, let us know what you think if you are listening to us now. Just tweet us, think Dan or James are right. If we don't get a response to that, I mean... I, I feel on the argument pretty well there. I'm not going to lie to you. Dan. Well, so you feel he's not going to be a future main eventer? <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a future main eventer. I'll give, I'll give you the points on the line, but so that's a point with you for for the argument. I mean, and, and it's true, you know, I hope Pete Dunne does become a future main eventer and, and of course, a WWE champion as well. Are you enjoying masturbating at the moment, Dan? I am, yes. Well, uh, you know, I've I've always like to masturbate and I think I've I've come first so well, you've come first in the first one but we have got a few more talking points up next oh my god why is takeover always a better event than the pay-per-view now I tell you what Dan now seeing as you're leading 1-0 you've got to say why it's not and I'll tell you why <laughs> it's better all right is that fair enough yeah I, I've I'll go there. All right. So I'll tell you why TakeOver is always a better event than the pay-per-view. Because it fucking is. Look at our ratings. Look at our rankings for NXT TakeOver events. And we have marked them up. It's not one that's fallen behind an eight. You know, every TakeOver is a memorable. It never lets us down because the matches are so good. The storylines leading up to it are fantastic. The event itself is treated with respect. And it always steals a show. It always still a show every single weekend it's going up against the pay-per-views. Someone said that earlier. I can't remember who said that. I think it was you, Dan, that every takeover pisses over the pay-per-views every time they're against each other. I did say that, but I was lying, of course. (laughs) I was just saying that for the benefit of the podcast. I think that, um, you know, the takeover events, there's not enough to them. I think there should be more. I think they should be longer. I think they should be able to f- focus on more wrestlers because, you know, a lot of wrestlers get left behind. You know, what's where's EC3 on this pay-per-view? 
is a pay-per-view without Ethan Carter the third. Exactly. One percent. I know, I know. And you know they're they're missing out a load of them. Where's um, Lars Sullivan? I mean, Lars Sullivan isn't on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Where's one and two, the best tag team ever? No, I, I, I yeah, but Dan, the problem is it's the same with WWE events, you know, because like the pay-per-views, even though there's multi-man matches and probably about 50 people involved, there's not space for people like Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton, you see? So I suppose that's got the problem with takeovers as well. The great thing about takeover, it's over after two and a half hours, and it's really enjoyable. You can just sit back, and it's not on for five and a half hours, and the people that you hate always win, a la Brock Lesnar. But I always want more after a takeover event. You know, there's, I, I, I feel it's left me, you know, I, I think that longer is better. <laughs> you, think, you think bigger is better? Well, I I've, think bigger is better. I think that it's... it's, it's it's perfect amount. You don't want to be any longer than it is. There's a little half hour kickoff on the network as well, which which is, is ample for that. Of course, you want the proper kickoff. You listen to us, but like the, the, the little event as well is perfect. When's the last time I had a bad match at Takeover? You tell me that. I can't off the top of my <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, exactly. I there got you the, go. The, the facts are well. In front the facts of me. Are out in front of you, but still, Takeover always delivers. All the time, Dan. What are you saying about that? Anything I, else? I wholeheartedly <laughs> yeah, right. concede this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so after two, we're a massive debate. We've got to two now. Two. Uh, it's one point all. And the next one, Dan, you've been ready to argue this point for ages. Are you ready? I am ready. No, I said. No, go on then. It's, sorry, we should say subject matter is. Mauro Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. And I feel, with Mauro Ronaldo, agree or disagree, it is entirely up to you. But I feel with Mauro Ronaldo, he oversells everything far too much. I mean, someone hits a clothesline. Oh my God, he's just torn his head off with a clothesline. You know, I think he's too hyped up. I know, you know, you can compare him to the likes of JR, but JR, at least he had his sombre moments. And it makes the moments where he impacts them harder is when, you know, you know, JR's selling it. At the end of a pay-per-view, he can barely talk because he's so... But, you know, and, and I know with JR, he has his favourites. But we're not talking about JR. We're talking about Mauro Ronaldo. And, you know, I just think he... Everything he does is just far extreme. And he oversells the smallest thing, which makes the biggest thing less meaningful. I understand what you're saying there. But it's kind of... <clears throat> The American sports type of commentator that we don't see a lot in WWE that Mauro Ronaldo is bringing to to it. And I think he's going to be an important part uh, with Fox as well involved because, of course, he works for Showtime. And he does boxing over there. But even before he joined WWE, you know, he, he was a boxing commentator and he got involved in a lot of sports, you know, MMA shows and stuff like this. Came out to WWE originally, got bullied by JBL and other people backstage. Of course, he was battling with depression back then as well, so he had to take some time off to deal with his problems. Signed back to come back to the NXT product because he still loved professional wrestling. And I feel he adds stuff to take over. So I think he brings passion. You mentioned him in the same night as JR. How many other commentators can you mention when you compare him to JR? Or even kind of similar like that. His love of Johnny Gagano Champa, maybe if it's over the top sometimes, it still brings the kind of passion and meaning that it's a kind of big moment 
to you. And, you know, I, I think when Ronaldo's off the takeover events or off NXTs, I think it does miss it. I think when he's paired up with Nigel McGuinness especially, I think it's a great little pairing between the two. And I wouldn't mind seeing even back on the main roster because it is kind of different. And, and yeah, like I said, he gets into it, but you have to, like you said, for a casual fan who's watching, they've got to realise kind of what's important and what's not. And I think with Vinale, he kind of hits the point of saying, this is the guy who's terrible. This is the guy who's real, so you can follow the storyline as well, you know? Yeah, I understand you've got that side of things, but when everything is amazing, I mean, you know, like if you're watching football, for example, and Alan Hansen, oh my God, he's just slight tackle. And then, like, you know, he's got the same gumption when someone scores, when someone has a throw, when someone gets a free kick. You know, anything that happens and everything is so extreme and, over, oh, my God. Yeah, but, uh, then it, when someone scores the goal, it's like, oh, he scored. But he's wow. doing that in, in commentary. It, he's doing that, like, you know, in an MA fight, wherever it is. Something that he could finish at any moment and that will box him match as well. That's kind of the way you have to call it when it is an exciting move. You know, you, you, you see it, call it as it is, you know, and it's kind of a different way of doing it, you know. Not uh, over the top sometimes. Maybe he can kind of quiet down, but I think he's, it would miss from him if he was to take it away. There'd be no difference between him and kind of Tom or Todd Phillips. You know, He'd just be kind of hi, I'm watching the event. This is what we're seeing here. You know, kind of Michael Cole thing as well of doing that. Uh, even though Michael Cole has improved, but again, we're not talking about Michael Cole. We're talking about Mario Ronaldo. I I still think for me he is. I I think like up there in the best commentators in in WWE right. Now. I would I would have him involved in it a lot more as as opposed to anything like that because his his commentary I, I'm a, I'm a fan of him and a fan of what he does but would you want to get rid of him or would you just want to have a word of him I wouldn't want to get rid of him you know I think he's great at what he does but I just think he needs to dial it back a bit on the bits that aren't as extreme you know everyone knows that you're not going to drop kick someone and pin them but when Mauro Ronaldo's done it the match could be over and I understand what you're saying about you know he he commentates on boxing and MMA and UFC and that but this isn't boxing this isn't MMA this isn't UFC and as I you know I'm kind of contradicting myself that <laughs> when it does eventually transition over to Fox yeah, and it yeah, could yeah. be that kind of thing but we're not on Fox we're on NXT and I, you know I, I just think he needs to dial it back a notch or two and say because he gives the same gumption if Mick Foley jumped off the top of the cage, he'd call it the same way as if Mick Foley got clotheslined. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would I would maybe agree with you there, you know, but you've got a the, the thing about him, he's not doing it as a kind of oversell. I think he's doing it, you know, like we do it sometimes when we get overexcited, we're actually in the moment. So I feel that's a part of him rather than being a bad commentator, it's him just getting caught up in it. And I think for me, it's especially a guy or Chomper involved, that's when he kind of really turns it up, you know, uh, as opposed to kind of normal matches. But obviously, we're going to watch TakeOver later anyway. I mean, that starts in just under an hour now. Uh, so when we'll watch that, we'll keep an eye on Ronaldo and see what it is. But I, I can't really say that either of us going to be a winner or loser in that one. Do you know what I mean? I think... We're going to take the tie. I think we'll take the draw in that. So out of three, 
It's one and a half each. We'll, we'll take the draw for our mass debate. But did you enjoy mass debating on the podcast, Dan? I did enjoy mass debating, and I look forward to mass debating with you again live on the podcast. Well, we'll do it on the live podcast. Don't forget, you can follow. You can send us subject matters, maybe to mass debate. We picked three there to do, uh, and you know we thought that would be fun. Because we have got some sad news, and we're going to talk about that now. Uh, I didn't know whether to do it at the start of the show. I didn't know whether to do it at the end of the show. But it's it's worthwhile me talking about, and I think it's worthwhile just mentioning just because of kind of what a legend uh, the guy was. And, of course, that is uh, Stan Lee, who unfortunately passed away early in the week, age 95. Um, just like a legend in his own right. You know, think about like, people like Walt Disney or something like that. I mean, when Walt Disney died, I didn't really realise how big Disney would be. But, like, I can't think of someone else who created so much, Dan, you know, like, with the characters involved. I mean, we are massive, not only the DC, but, you know, massive Marvel fans, you know, superhero fans. Huge Marvel fans, huge Stan Lee fans. You know, his cameos was always the highlight of any Marvel film. Um, you know, of I've been reading a bit up on Stanley and that, and what an impact he's made. And everyone from celebrities to just people like you and I, they've all commented on how much Stanley has changed their life, and you know, and how much Stanley actually loved his fans. Mm. And you know, you don't normally get people like that. I know, you know, some people they do come across as they love their fans, but Stanley genuinely loved everyone who watched his films, anyone who didn't watch his films, and just. You know, he created everything he does with a passion. Yeah, and and this, he's a great creator. He is, you know, kind of like I would say the Vincent Man of of comic books, but he kind, you know, he kind of is because uh, just revolutionised everything about what you know superheroes were, and, and just for like just kind of fan like even without Psycho but like seeing them on more rats and stuff like this and then being involved in other projects and just Stanley just seemed like a, a, a absolutely loved the guy and you know like I said he had time for his fans and stuff like this uh, I think the, the thing of Stanley you, you can talk about him all you want you know and it, we've seen the amount of people that have said stuff but one thing I think is really important this is what I, I was saying to people this week about Stanley is is just to kind of my, my uh, in in and belief in his his life, you know, you know. So when he was a, a young kid, you know, I say young kid, he went out. To, he was in the army, uh, and he was out there fighting uh, during the World War. Of course, came back, uh, married his wife, who unfortunately died last year. Um, he lost her in July. He came back and he's working for the the, the comic book. It wasn't Marvel at the time, just called something else. And he was just doing kind of like detective work and everything like this. And he did that for a few years. It's forty years working at this store and he said he said to his wife said, i've had enough i'm gonna i'm um, gonna quit I, d- I don't really want to do this anymore she said well why don't you just go into work and just start writing the stuff you want to write you know he's like well i don't know said, well you've been thinking about these superheroes well, you know why don't you just write it down so he went in he started writing of course you know the first one was uh, fantastic four that he wrote and then of course it was spider-man and people like steve ditko and everything like that involved in the process i'm not saying they weren't doctor strange and of course the x-men and all this you know after so, you know, you got to 40 years old and then he decided, no, I'm actually going to change it with the support of the people around him. So now it's going to be now a chance for it to change. 
Uh, and in the 60s, like I said, the biggest, one of the biggest fucking stars around icons. Uh, Marvel sending 50 million comics a year uh, during this time. It just shows you how big it was. And you, know, and you could list out Black Panther and if it all Ant-Man, everything that you're seeing now, you know, the, the characters he's created. And not only that, you know, during the 70s when, you know, comic books were around and then suddenly they faded out. He went into TV and, of course, the Incredible Hulk TV show that he was involved with. Well, involved with and then, unfortunately for him, you know, times were hard for Marvel, so he had to sell the rights to, to comics, you know, sell the rights to characters. So he sold off Spider-Man, and he sold off uh, to Sony, and he sold off X-Men to Fox, and, you know, and he kind of made bad business decisions. He had nothing. And and, and at that point, you know, when, when he was in his, you know, 70s, and he's thinking, well, that's it now. From that kind of marvel becoming what it is now today with iron man being around and him being alive to see iron man make a billion dollars at the box office and captain america and you know all the other characters well you say iron man do you know what inspired him to create iron man he wanted to create a character that was a complete and utter asshole that everyone loved (laughs) but that is honest to god true (laughs) i am a complete and utter asshole but everyone's me like that but that is that is his inspiration yeah. behind Iron Man, you know, and he is he is a complete arsehole, but he's loved, you know, especially in the movies and what he does on screen, and yeah, you know, I've I've got nothing bad to say no. about anything Stanley has been involved in and he has created because that has just turned to gold dust. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, thirty-one um, appearances in in the Marvel movies, as well as cameo. And, and Disney has said that they're going to try and continue it. He's going to be in the Avengers with a cameo, and he's going to be in uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, which I'm really excited for, but I'm not going to go into the reasons why. Uh, so, you know, it was Stanley, just such a legend, and there's a connection between the kind of comic books and wrestling in a weird way. But Stanley really was kind of a legend in his own right, and it's such a fucking shame. Uh, and I'm gutted, you know, and, and 95, what a fucking life. You know, like I said, at 40, and now at 95, seeing it all making billions and billions of dollars you know he he died and and there's going to be four or five movies made of him each year with his characters in and you talk about a legacy you know that is definitely one there um i'm sorry if i went off i went on a little bit too long for stanley but i mean it's like you said dan he's just a legend you know so um we'll move on and we'll do uh, some games we'll cheer us up a little bit after the stanley i think yeah yeah um we are take over war games forget let's get back in the mood so we've got some games and uh, we'd like to play obviously elephant or f1 we've got uh, dead or alive incidentally we'll play loads tomorrow night but we've got a couple of new games here tonight we're going to play one of them is uh i say wiki leaks but this will be all right for you dan we're going to play them now it's basically guess the wrestler from the wikipedia page but i have blanked out their actual name all right so i'm going to try and see if you can guess i've, I've left this guy's real name in here i'll see if you can guess all right so, Chris Frading, born December 24th, 1979, is an American professional wrestler, better known by his ring name, Blank. He is currently signed to WWE in its developmental territory, NXT, under the name Blank. Sparadine, as Blank, has been a mainstay of many independent promotions, including the American Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and Ring of Honor group, as well as Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan. He is known for his time in the Independent Wrestling Association Mid-South, Comic Zone Wrestling, and Chikara, where he was co-headed trainer of the Chicago Factory. Right. So he's currently in NXT. Yep. 
He, by the looks of that, is 38. Yeah, that's quite old, isn't it? He is quite old. And his real name is Chris Spradlin. Um, I'm going to go... If his real name is Chris Spradlin, yeah. and he's quite an older guy, I'm going to transition that to Chris Hero. Oh! And from Chris Hero, <laughs> we go to... Drew McIntyre. No. Uh, of course, we go to Cassius Ono. It is indeed Cassius Ono, Dan. You get that correct first point of the night for games. Uh, up next, Mr. Greenwood, born March 1st, 1987, is a Canadian professional wrestler and actor, better known by a ring name, Blank. He is signed to WWE Foreman on its NXT brand. He is best known for his time with Ring of Honor. He also worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling and competed for several independent promotions. Most notably, Pro Wrestling Gorilla is a one-time Ring of Honor World Champion, three-time Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion alongside Blank as Red Dragon, while in PWG he's one-time World Champ and a winner of the promotion's 2013 Battle of Los Angeles. That's a lot of accomplishments for this man. It's not Adam fucking Cole, is it? It's not Adam Cole. That's one of your guesses. Oh. You get three guesses. Thank fuck for that. But you're you're warm, shall I say? But you only get three guesses. Oh. <laughs> Were you saying I'm warm? It's one of the undeserving era. Yes. Um. He's an actor. Probably not in any of the films I've ever seen. Um. He's not a model. Oh, oh. oh. away now. <laughs> it is the one and only decent member of the undeserving era, Mr. Handsome Kyle O'Reilly. <sighs> Let's have a look. Yes, it is indeed Handsome Kyle O'Reilly, Dan. You're two for two here. You're on fire, baby. Up next, Patrick Clark Jr. Right, I'm going to stop you there. Oh, fuck, you got it already. It's the last one. Because, as luck would have it, right, I was watching WWE Raw from 2015. It is the one just before Money in the Bank. And they had a promo from Tough Enough. And they eliminated 11,549 <laughs> wrestlers. Don't ask me how I remember uh, that. You Down remember? to 40. <laughs> And they had a little flash up of wrestlers currently on the card. And there was one Patrick Clark. Uh, he didn't have the junior. And I even rewound it slightly, paused it on to have a look because I recognised the face. I wanted to make sure. And it is none other than the Velveteen Dream. Dan, you are free for free, my friend. Uh, well thank done. Thank you and good night. <laughs> I'll take my <laughs> points and run. All right. One last game for you, but. We're going to play this now, see if you can complete your games here. It's a new game I've come up with called, is it done or Basler? Now, basically, I've got three pictures. They're not very well done. Hopefully, next time around, I am going to put them on Twitter, and maybe you can decide who it is. Um, this is NXT Games. Cause Dan's, uh, Dan always says done or Basler is very similar. So, Dan, can you please tell me, is this done or is this Basler? <laughs> <laughs> what was the, what is the picture? Now that is Shayna Baszler. Oh, I can tell by the stubble around the face. 
That is Basler. <laughs> yeah, Baz, well done. Unfortunately for you, that is Pete Dunn. No, it's not. Pete yeah. Dunn isn't that ugly. You can see with the eyes, that's a damn shame. So, all on one for that one. All right, you ready? Up next. I've got three of them, so it's well worth it. Up next. Is it Dunn? Is it Basler? That one. With them rippling muscles. Yeah. Them thigh muscles especially. That is a short-haired Shayna Basler. (laughs) No. No, it's Shayna Basler's face on the muscle man's body. That is indeed Shayna Basler. All right, so third time. This one, I I I actually thought it was real myself when I saw this. Of course, we will tweet the pictures out after the show ends. Donald Basler, third one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, his face looks perfect. <laughs> well, as soon as you said his face looks perfect, oh, it's not a real picture. I'm going to have to go with Shayna Basler. Oh, well, it is in fact. It is in fact Pete. Done. Oh, that's a damn shame. Oh, well, well, you missed out on Basler, or is it done on Basler? And we will be playing that on the next takeover as well. Well, James, <coughs> I'm going to do for you the wiki challenge. But I know you made it relatively easy for me. I got three for three on mine. But I'm going to make it a bit more harder. These aren't just wrestlers that are current. These are wrestlers that have been with... And possibly may not be with anymore. But the first one is James Smith. January the 16th, 1988. Is an American professional wrestler. Currently performing internationally under the ring name blank. He is known for his time in American professional wrestling promotion WWE. Where he wrestled for the developmental territory NXT under the ring name Blank. And in June 2013, he signed a contract with WWE and was assigned to the Performance Center. He, his name was changed to Blank. <laughs> he made his debut in NXT on September the 12th, 2013, where he's defeated by Aiden English. Throughout late 2013, he made sporadic appearances as enhancement talent, squashing various low carders and local talents. But in August, him and Mojo Rawley formed an uneasy tag team and participated in the NXT Tag Team Championship Tournament where they were defeated by the Vaudevillians. In the first round, prompting Blank to attack Rawley in the aftermath and establishing himself heel. He attacked Rawley? He attacked Rawley. Um, He was in the NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way event. mm Mm-hmm. But not in the main event. He defeated Rawley in a squash with his new finisher, the diving headbutt. Oh my god. Diving headbutt? Yes. And he beat up Mojo Rawley? Yes. When was he next, T? Uh, 2013 to 2016. 26, so he got fired. Um, fucking hell. NXT? Yes. The, um, him and Baron Corbin. Did he wear fucking. Well, he went head to head with Corbin, didn't he? Yes, he embarked on a rivalry with Baron, Baron Corbin. Corbin, and then Corbin was there because he used to wear the fucking the old style um, 
He's long hair, fat, fat guy with the beard. When I say a beard, he had the fucking stubble, didn't he? Uh, oh, fucking hell. I, I quite liked him. I quite liked him when I saw they him. They competed to see how quickly they could defeat the local wrestlers, sometimes back-to-back. This eventually led to a match between the two on January the Dempsey? 14th, 2015. Dempsey? No. Dempsey? Uh, Mick? No. Bill? 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 De- no, not Bill. Close. Close Bill. Um, Ball. Ball Dempsey. Is it Ball? <laughs> it was. Nailed it. <sighs> that was a difficult one, that was. Well, James, you know I don't like to give it to you easy. Whew. I've just tweeted the pictures of um, Basil were done. I was doing that whilst I was uh, listening to Bull Dempsey. Wow. All right, so we'll stop there for games then uh, right now and we'll move on because we're approaching NXT TakeOver just 40 minutes away. Uh, you can have the WWE Network's uh, TakeOver kickoff on quiet while you listen to us. We're probably going to finish about quarter to 12, so we've got half hour left. 25 minutes even, to talk about last year's card and preview this year's card as well. So last year's card, uh, on it was Los Angeles, California, the Staples Center. And in the undercard, on the, well, I say on the pre-show, it was in the NXT afterwards, wasn't it, a takeover. Ruby White, Ruby defeated Sonya Deville. Yes, uh, that was a singles match. It's quite funny how their lives have turned out now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Teaming up in the Riot squad, that's Riot with two T's, but this was Ruby Riot with just one T. Yeah, one T back then. Um, uh, also on a pre-taped match, it was a singles match for the WWE United Kingdom Championship and Pete Dunne defeated Johnny Gagano. Yeah, and that was a, a great match that I remember. And then on the main card, Lars Sullivan went through with ease. He did indeed, quite a squash match. We had a great match between Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. Yeah, I can't believe that was a year ago when it was Say My Name. That was that match, Say My Name. Yeah. Unbelievable what the Dream has accomplished since then. Uh, Ember Moon defeated Kari Sane, Nikki Cross and Peyton Royce to become NXT Women's Champion for the first time. That was after Oscar had vacated the title. That wasn't it. That again, another good match. Uh, uh, oh, fuck. And again, hell. another absolute classic of a match. Andrade Cien Almas, the 311 boy, defeated James's guy, Drew McIntyre, for the NXT Championship. McIntyre was seriously injured, I've got to say, during all that. So, by the way, he was injured, so that's why the, the, the result for me doesn't really count. You know, I am going to say that. Ah, oh, fuck. And we're going to see what happens here. And in the main event, the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish. The authors of pain and Roderick Strong and Sanity, and of course that was Alexander Wolf, Eric Young, and Killian Dane. In an absolute humdinger of a match. I mean, you know, that dive off the top of the cage was just absolutely crazy. I think that was Adam Cole, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Adam Cole, yeah. Well, was it a dive or was he pushed? I think he dived, but I think, I think someone was after dive, getting yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, that was an absolute humdinger of a match. And as it was pointed out earlier, Roderick Strong, he was teaming with the Authors of Pain. But now he is part of the Undeserving Era. Yeah, I mean, that is unbelievable. That's Adam Cole, Hans O'Reilly, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish versus Paul Raiders and Pete Dunne in a War Games match. NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa defending against Velveteen Dream. As you said, Basler versus Sane in a two out of three falls match for the NXT Women's Championship. 
and Johnny Gagano versus Alistair Black will all take place on the main card. Well, Riddle and Ono were supposed to wrestle each other in a match at the WrestleMania 35 on-sale party tonight, but the on-sale event at MetLife Stadium in New York, New Jersey was cancelled due to expected inclement weather. NXT will be taping some content for TV in San Jose later tonight. So we're talking about card. Let's have a more in-depth look at it, if you will. So we'll start. What match do you want to start off and have a look at, Dan? We'll start off with what is probably going to be the main event. That's the Undeserving Era versus Rick Raiders Dunn. <laughs> okay. So what are you expecting to see? What are your hopes and dreams? I'm expecting to see, well, you know, we've heard that there's going to be no top to the cage. So uh, ricochet twelve eighty flip off the top, <laughs> right? Um, you know that that's probably going to be done in some sort of aspect. Uh, you can see the raw, war raiders kind of keeping it more grounded. Pete Dunn is just going to bring the wrestling element. So I think these four guys are going to be the perfect team. You've of course got um, Roderick Strong, who's you know he's not a terrible performer in the ring. Bobby Fish, I think he's going to be kept a bit quiet. He's probably going to be one of the last ones in. Obviously, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Not long injury, coming off his yeah. injury. Kyle O'Reilly, I think he's going to have a few memorable moments. And uh, that is about it. Yeah, I think Adam Cole's going to be the last guy out. Unless they're going to try and do him as the kind of long guy again and have him start off uh, and go through him all. But I don't know. I think they're going to try and do Raw Raiders and um, Strong and O'Reilly first and then work through like... Uh, and then Cole maybe at the end with Ricochet being the last guy as well. I think that'd be quite cool. It's going to be interesting to see the two teams war games because I think that's the best way it works. You're not a huge fan of the original war games concept, are you? You know, I don't mind. I just think it's quite flawed. You know, the match could potentially end before everyone's in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens in the main event tonight hopefully there's a couple of big it's a safe falls even but some big spots coming off uh both cages here tonight you know it is a spectacle seeing the two rings involved and like i said with that amount of talent with the raiders uh ricochet and done along with undisputed era it should be a fantastic matchup i do feel that this match though was built for the undisputed era i don't know how you feel about that i again you know i'm not quite sure i, I I don't know, you know. I, I know it was a very good match last year, and don't get me wrong, all the competitors in the match, all nine guys, performed brilliantly. But, you know, I, saying it's built for the Undisputed Era, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not well, taking that. Okay, well, let me explain my point to you then. It's built for a team. Uh, when, like you said earlier as well, I'm bringing up your points to you. When, like with Adam Cole, they need to win... Uh, cleanly sometimes in the right environments and I feel when it's meant to be like for a four-man team which they are it should be built for them for them to uh, get have you know to win the match because how good Ricochet done and the War Raiders are they are not a kind of stable in themselves where the Unsputed Era are I think mate you know something like if the Shield and the Whites were involved in this top matchup as well I think it'd work because of what they are as teams and stables, the Undisputed Era are probably the longest team together in NXT right now as well. But again, you know, you've got the tag team aspect of things. You've got War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe. You know, they can do the tag team manoeuvres. You've got Pete Dunne that could out-wrestle anyone in WWE, period. 
and you've got Ricochet, who's kind of like the fly, high-flying element. So, them four guys, you've got the perfect all-around team anyway. Yeah, yeah I agree with that, but they're still not on the, all the same on the same page. Unsputed Era are all together, you know, like they all know exactly what each of them does. They can... They can see each other coming they can help each other out and that's why I think the war game's built from that's why I think what, the Unsputed Era are going to do well here tonight but I think it's going to be like I said a cracking match it should be the main event my only thing is is that there's, there's three single matches coming up before that and so what is going to start off the show will it be Johnny Gagano versus Alistair Black that in itself is a main event level match isn't it you know that's the crazy thing all of these matches have main event potential you've got the NXT Championship, obviously, you know, that tells you itself. You've got the personal rivalry, Ali B versus Johnny Gagano. You've got a feud that has been going on for over a year with Baszler and Kari Sane. And, you know, you've got War Games, which is, you know, as much as I don't like to admit it, two of the biggest teams potentially in NXT at the moment. Yeah, I think you could say maybe the weakest match his dream and not just because of um uh not just because of the facts of who they are you know chump and dreaming themselves but just kind of the build-up hasn't got that kind of same feel as the other matches have like say basil and saying could definitely be uh in the in the main event speaking of that september 12 2017 sane versus basler in the may young classic final and now over a year and two months later they're fighting it out Maybe for the last time. This might be one of these women's last time in NXT. But if, if Sane was to lose tonight, can she recover from, you know, a defeat by the Queen of Spades? Is there anything left for Shania Baszler to do in NXT? You know, a two-time champ. These are the questions that we're going to answer here tonight. I think in the match, it should be a cracking match between these two, Dan, you know? Oh, I completely agree with you. You know, both these girls, they, well, both these women, sorry, they know each other really well. They've they've got very good and they can kind of work off each other and work off what they've done previously in the ring and just improve on that and you know go from there we've seen the chemistry that uh, chemistry these two women can have together we saw what happened at Evolution and it was a great match and it you know two out of three here I think it would be fantastic I might even see Baszler attack insane in the early game maybe with a chair DQ finish just to soften up the arm do you know what I mean you've completely stolen my tactic is that what you were going to say if I was ever in a two out of three falls match (laughs) I would go in heavy with the chair weaken them up just completely give away the first fall yeah and then you know straight after that I'll be on the attack again you know as you say weaken up a body part and then just focus on that and I can I can see one victory. I can see Baszler doing that here tonight. You know, I can really see her working on the arm. I uh, I think Baszler could beat Sane twice. Can Sane beat Baszler twice? She might surprisingly on the pin, but she's got to beat her definitively here tonight. If if she wants to become you know NXT Women's Champion, it's too you know it's going to be difficult for her to beat her otherwise. That's why maybe a DQ and then a pinfall victory or something like that might work out for Sane. Whereas with Baszler, it might be difficult. But, I mean, plus there might be other aspects we're not looking at as well. Well, you know, you've always got the the wild horse, or the wild card, should it be, um, of the other two members of the four horsemen. Um, Ronda Rousey be there. Well, she be in the attendance. Thing. 
She was at ringside at Evolution. Well, she, was she? No, she wasn't. No, she, she was wrestling that night. She was wrestling <laughs> yeah. that night, yeah, sorry. Um, but, you know, you've got the other two. Yeah, Marina, Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke, you know, like I said, they, they were very close to her at Evolution. Will they be here at TakeOver? I think we'll find out in the first couple of minutes of TakeOver when we see them in front row or not, how the match goes here tonight, I feel. Up, you know, we might have Banks and Bailey in the crowd, then we can have an interaction between the two like that. I mean, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? That'd be great, just yeah. throwing it out there. Um, so I mean, the women's title match is gonna be great. Do you want to take Ellie B versus Johnny Gagano again? You know, both these guys we know they can produce pay per view winning matches. You know, they, they've both featured well, I know definitely in my match of the night on pay per views. Again, you know, he hasn't had a bad match. Neither has Johnny Gagano since, obviously, you know, his split from Chomper and then that kind of storyline. It's good to see him slightly drifting apart. What's going to happen now that Johnny Gagano, you're not quite sure whether he's face or heel. He's playing off as a face, but could he do something tonight that would fully cement him being heel? And, you know, both him and Tommaso Chomper being heel. Is it going to be like a Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens kind of reunion in NXT? Well, this, this is the interesting questions. I don't think Gagano and Chopper can face each other off for the NXT title if they, they're they going to be two hills. You know, that story doesn't work. A reformation. What might be cool, and I, I might call this already, it, Gagano um, being a hill, teaming up again with Chomper in January time, say, and then by the time, you know, February comes, saying to him, I, I got you. I, I've roped you in. You thought it was me, but I've actually got, you know, I've infiltrated your camp, basically, beating the crap out of him, and then NXT title on the line for the two at the uh, WrestleMania show. You know, I, I think that could be something that could happen, which would be a great storyline to bring Johnny back. Because I think Gagano is more of a face than he is a heel, especially after everything that he's gone through in um, NXT. I think it would be more interesting him as a face. And with Alistair Black, I don't think there's been someone who's better treated in NXT than him in recent times. Yeah, I don't know what you think about it. I know you're a Bally B fan, but I am. And, yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think he's he's been really well utilised. You know, he's kind of been part of this Johnny Gagano chomper storyline. All part of the whodunit. It's given him, you know, a bit of a break. And, you know, again, he could move up to the main roster. And I think he'd, he wouldn't get lost in the shuffle on the main roster. Yeah. I, I don't think he would. I, I think he'd go and make a difference. Again, you can talk about promos, you can talk about other things, but I think with Black, he's got the it factor that kind of draws you in. Uh, and, and I feel with a Black Mask kick as well as a finisher, that could be very well utilised if they wanted to. I think with NXT, you know, like beating Lars Sullivan, being kind of undefeated, only losing in kind of like shady circumstances. If you actually look at it, it is Johnny Gagano's fault, all of it, because the reason he lost the NXT title to begin with was thanks to Gagano getting involved and accidentally taken out... Um, Ali B, so maybe that could be the plan all along. They could actually bring that up, and it would make sense of saying, "Oh, look, we, you know, this is what happened a few months ago." And Gagano always planned this, you know, always wanted this match. But I feel tonight, Ali B, if you're going to talk about odds and betting for it, I think Alistair Black might be a slight favourite just because of how well he's treated and and just getting. I don't think with Gagano, I think it'd hurt. Alistair Black losing more than Gagano tonight. I don't know but you again, think. you know, it can also explain into the Johnny Gagano storyline 
another loss for him? Could it send him deeper into the darkness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just finally be the straw that breaks the camel's back? Yeah, I think most definitely, you know, I think we could definitely see that here. And he's still telling us new stories about Ali B, about Johnny Gano, and about Chumper. And speaking of Chumper, the main, well, I say the main event, the NXT Championship being on the line, you know, the number one title, uh, Tommaso Chumper versus Velveteen Dream. Who would ever thought Velveteen Dream would have been in this position? He, uh, like we talked about a year ago, his match with Ali B. We never thought he would reach these heights in NXT, did we? I've always kind of, you know, hoped he would. Uh, I wasn't very struck on him to start with. I think he was a bit too flamboyant. But I think his character has grown on me. And, you know, I, I kind of see his reasoning behind things. You know, I see how he is. He stands out. And, you know, I I kind of like him for that. You know, he's brilliant in ring. He can turn it up when he needs to. He can be vicious when he needs to. Um, Definitely has got the it factor. And he's, again, like Alistair Black, he is someone that could definitely fit in on the main roster. I, I don't know whether he'll be NXT champion before he goes up. You know, we'll find out in the predictions, obviously, later on. Well, NXT don't normally muck around when it comes to the NXT championship. And changing it. But, you know what I mean? A little bit of me wouldn't be surprised if Velveteen Dream walks away with the NXT title here tonight. You know, because he could always switch it back and have Chumpa retaining in January. And it could be a moment for the Dream. But I think the Dream has got a lot of upside and a lot of potential. You know, coming into the the, the WWE and the way way he could go. And the kind of Goldust character for this uh, this kind of millennium even. You know, and being a part of it. I think for Dream, he, he could do a lot in WWE. And it's great that he's there. But I think Chumper in himself is so underrated at the moment. You know, we talk about Johnny Gagano and Alistair Black. Chumper's done great work coming back from his injury. And he's been nailing it all year, hasn't he, you know? He has indeed, Jay. He's certainly been the standout character in NXT. And again, you know, all the time we wonder... Who's going to take over the mantle when such and such goes up, you know, with the likes of Drew McIntyre, Nakamura, Finn Balor, you know, when they will inevitably go up, who's going to be there to take the reins? And who would have thought, you know, someone from part of the hashtag DIY tag would kind of make that statement against his tag team partner, go out injured, and even when he returns, not be forgotten about what he done about, you know, everything that he's gone through and still be universally hated by everyone in the crowd. Yeah, I think that's the important thing, how much people do actually hate his guts. And I think it's vital nowadays, you know, there's not many bad guys who are just hated. And Chumper has got that ability just to be completely despicable. And we've seen that, you know, and I think it's helping out Velveteen Dream because he's been a heel and now he's more face now to go against someone like Chumper because he was getting cheers. You know, we saw it a couple of weeks ago on our NXT update. Um, with the dream hitting the purple rainmaker off the top and getting it, you know, and lifting up the NXT title, it could be done here tonight. It's just very interesting matchups here tonight. I feel they're all going to deliver and they're not going to let us down. But if you were looking at it and say, what would be your match of the night here? And we talk about it three hours later, Dan, who what were you saying that's going to steal the show here tonight? I'm actually going to go and say Ali B versus Johnny Gagano. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm going to say Baszler versus Sane. I think that's going to 
do say that women's wrestling haven't done in a while. It's, it's just changing now. We saw it with the last women's standing match at Evolution. I feel tonight, given time, that can be an absolute classic with a story told. You know, And I feel Baszler is ready for the, the main roster. I feel like uh, she can go up there and definitely, even if it's side-by-side side by Rousey or opposing her, I think there's not a lot, lot left for her to do in, in NXT. And I feel like with the influx of talent we're going to get from the Mae Young Classic, you know, we're going to get um, Io Shirai. Io, Io, fucking hell, she was my pick and I can't even say her name now. Io Shirai coming to NXT soon and she is going to be uh, a huge star in my eyes. So NXT is constantly changing. But for uh, All right, so that was basically the card. One thing before we go, if WWE was talk about it or rumours, after Raw and SmackDown, or on Raw and SmackDown, we're going to have some call-ups for NXT. If you could pick guys to be called up for... I'll tell you what, give me three guys to be called up uh, to WWE from NXT now, and give me three guys to be demoted to NXT from WWE. I would pick Velveteen Dream and Pete Dunn. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a great shout, yeah. I can see why you've picked those three. And free to be demoted. Um, cool. This is a tough one. <clears throat> oh. Well, think about it, and I'll tell you my three that needs to be promoted. Velveteen Dream definitely needs to come up. Alistair Black definitely needs to come up and done. And Shayna Baszler needs to come up and get sorted out. I think Pete Dunne could be NXT Choose up to the main role. I think Pete Dunne could, in theory, win every championship if he wanted to. If he won the North America title now, then I can see him winning the NXT title, tag team, moving up, and then going through everything until finally WWE champion. I'm over Pete Dunne. Uh, the three I'd get rid of or demote, uh, Mojo Rawley would be released. <laughs> that but I was pick. just about to say... Would you want Mojo Roy to go back down to NXT because NXT are having the best matches? They got the best storylines. You know, they're, they're a standout brand. But you know, we're not talking about getting released. I, I think Breezango could benefit yeah, from going down. I was going to say Tyler Breeze, yeah, involved with Fandango as well, yeah. But I think the Tyler Breeze character could become more so in NXT again and build up the kind of hype he had before he left because he was kind of the last Velveteen Dream type character with a little bit of excitement going up and then kind of just wasted like that, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, and another one to go down. I would like to see... Oh... No, it's gone now. What else have you got? Well, no, I was, there, there's, there's a few that you could see on Raw or SmackDown to go down. And I think when you look at, you know, people like The Ascension, I think it's vital for them to go back in NXT and just try and get some of that street cred back as well, you know, and try and get it. And I think there's a lot of guys, Ty Dillinger for one, who could become a huge face in NXT again if given the right chance to go down there. He was taken too soon just because of the 10. And, you know, they used him up and spat him out. And now, you know, like we're going to have an update on him tomorrow. So I think that's a guy that could be used more. You know, it's a lot of waste. Bobby Roode's another guy, maybe, going back down to NXT and just be involved in the title picture. Just stay in NXT if you're not going to be treated properly on the main roster. There's nothing wrong with NXT. Do you know what I mean? Being that guy who's a four-time NXT champion and losing to the young guys all the time, I've got, I've got no problem with that. You know, this is what WWE got to look at. It's too stacked at the moment. There's too many people. Buddy Murphy could arguably go down to NXT and become NXT champion, you know, or, or move up to the main roster with 205 Live involved. 
So, you know, it, it's very tight, but it, NXT just keeps on delivering, doesn't it, Dan, you know? It does indeed, yeah. It's definitely one of the hottest commodities in WWE at the moment. Yeah, and TakeOver will be great. And it starts in about 17 minutes, to be precise, time. And what a show it should be. So, Dan, before we go, what are you what are you hoping for tonight? What, what's your one thing that you're hoping to see come out of this TakeOver event? I'm hoping to see... A match that blows us away. I, I, honestly, I couldn't care less. Out of them four matches, I wouldn't mind either of them just being one that, you know, we sit back and go, wow. Yeah. You know, one that we, uh, you know, a, a late match of the year candidate. Anything. That I, 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 it's not what I'm hoping. It's probably what I'm expecting to see from this takeover. Yeah, I I. I, I Let's hope that we see that, you know, because it, it will be uh, it, one of those times every... every. I always love doing the takeover shows. always love doing the live shows beforehand and then watching event because it does... It's great, and you go to bed happy about wrestling because takeover is boom, 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 boom. Well, it's going to be boom, 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 boom tonight, and that's going to be takeover. And that's all in the positives about it. Would you rather see Survivor Series tonight and NXT tomorrow? So, you know, you get the... Oh, bloody hell. And then you get the, oh, fucking hell. No, because I think it'll take away from TakeOver. I think if you had to go through five hours of shit to then go and watch TakeOver tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, I've already watched five hours of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why when people watch three hours of Raw, they don't go, I fancy watching two hours of SmackDown now. You know, that, that's that's therein lies yeah. problem. If SmackDown was before, man, you go, I've got two hours. Yeah, I'll try this three hours, fucker. But I think that's what happens sometimes. I'm not saying Spice is going to be a bad show. I think the way it's set up, could be very good. I think it's gonna be, but the matches always disappoint. Yeah, I could we could build up Nakamura versus Rollins now, but we know it's gonna disappoint. You know, we we another matches as well. Brian Lesnar and we know tonight we for a fact that Sane versus Baze is gonna deliver. That uh, Black versus Gagano will do. That Chumper versus Velveteen Dream, and of course the War Games match will be fantastic. And they're all gonna get enough time to showcase something great, tell a proper story in the match. And all of these, you know, they've all got very good story behind it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that is it. Takeover will be released next week. But let's not forget tomorrow, Dan. Yes, tomorrow we are live from 10pm. That's British Standard Time. Yes, of course it is. It's Survivor Series 2018, our live kickoff. We've got the WWE Collections. We've got new content. 205 Live, if time. And we've got some news as well. Yeah, Raw and Smackdown review. Shout outs. And the games including Dead or Alive or Elephant or F1. And plus, we run through the entire card and we have a look at the matches that they've got there as well. Yeah, but that is it from today. There's nothing else, Dan, is there? There is nothing else. No, well, there is one other thing. You can go to Twitter and follow us if you're not already at WWE Network Review or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at underscore Rollins. We're also forms W Net Review on Google Plus. And send us an email like you have done. And thank you for those on the WNR podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review. We've got all clips going out there and podcasts going at the same time on 
YouTube, they do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Uh, of course, we are live on Spreaker Radio right now. We've got live shows coming. The next time we'll be live is a couple of months. It'll be Royal Rumble. It'll be 2019 Royal Rumble takeover. Mental how time flies when you are indeed having fun. Uh, Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. One thing I've noticed, I haven't played the opening promo for NXT, so I'm going to play that before we leave as well, uh, just to set you up for the TakeOver event. That is going to start in just over 10 minutes' time. But I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for this, everybody, and tune in tomorrow at 10pm for Survivor Series Live kickoff. But until then, bye. Bye. Los Angeles better brace itself the most dangerous match in sports entertainment history. Two teams in two rings in one cage in war games. We bring you the bone-rattling spectacle. Tommaso Ciampa will defend his coveted NXT Championship against the Velveteen Dream. The Pirate Princess has invoked her rematch clause against the Queen of Spades. Johnny Wrestling is ready for a fight against Alistair Black. The score will be settled. This is NXT TakeOver War Games.